Welcome, everyone, to Everyday Holiness, a Faith ND podcast brought to you by the Notre Dame Alumni Association. This is Dan Allen, Spirituality Program Director for the Alumni Association. Today, we're happy to be talking with Marion Appleton, who is an administrative assistant here in the Alumni Association, but plays a particularly special role, I would say, in our Faith ND outreach. And we'll get into that in a little ways, but just want to spend some time today talking with Marion about her background, her life, her vocation as a wife, a mother, and what she does here with us. Marion, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. So why don't we begin by just telling the audience a little bit about who you are, your story, where you came from. Okay, so I'm local. I um, was born right here in South Bend. I have three children, and they're all grown now. I have 10 grandchildren. I have always loved children, so I've worked uh, in child care for many, many years. At my home, I did child care, and I work um, with the preschool right now. What is it about children that's that have always been attracted to you? What do you like about seeing children, especially at that age? Well, at that age, they usually love whatever you do. <laughs> They're excited to to learn new things, and it's just wonderful to just watch them grow, and it's just nice to be around them. They're fun. Yeah. Thinking back to your own childhood, who were some of the important people as you were growing up who kind of shaped you, your values, and who you were, your your love of family, those kinds of things? Um, sure. That was my mom, for sure. She was um, very religious, uh, always kept our family together. Um, she got married late in life, so it was just my brother and myself, and we're five and a half years apart. I think she would love to have more children, but the Lord blessed her with two, and that's what she had. So um, she she was definitely someone who was very... Um, someone meaningful in my life although she passed away when I was only 21 so Mm. she never really got to meet any of her well she met my oldest son who was only three months old when she passed away oh wow wow I think sometimes it's the those losses sometimes that can obviously sharpen our appreciation for who the people were in our lives and and kind of carrying their legacy forward and how you've lived your own life Mm -hmm. yes very much so you mentioned your children and grandchildren. What has been enjoyable but also challenging about your vocation as a wife and a mother in your life? Well, I always wanted a lot of children as well, and God blessed me with three. Uh, so when I was uh, lucky enough to get 10 grandchildren, that was my goal, so I was very excited. <laughs> In partnership with uh, your your children and in-laws, right? That's right. Well, it's always the grandma role is awesome because you can bring them over, spoil them, and then you send them home. That's right. That's (laughs) right. I remember my grandparents had a quote in their house that said, if I knew grandchildren would have been this much fun, I would have had them first. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Exactly. Obviously, this has been sort of on your heart to be this motherly figure, both to your own children, but also to the children in preschool. Where do you, where do you get that, your inspiration for doing that, or where do you think that joy came from? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Just being around children, I always babysat, and um, I just enjoy being with them. It's just something that's, I think sometimes you're just, it's kind of a God-given thing that this is what you're meant to do. Mm-hmm. And I've... Um, 
I was very blessed to be able to pursue this and and have all this the many opportunities that I've had to work with the children. Mm-hmm. If you would, would you tell us about your marriage and married life? I know your husband has passed away, but if you could give the listeners some insight into married life and what that was as a vocation for you. Sure. Um, we were married. He's twelve. My husband was twelve years older than myself, mm-hmm. so uh, he. He had a lot of health issues, not at the beginning, but um, as our marriage progressed. So I ended up being the breadwinner in our family. Mm-hmm. I was asked to, my children attended Shamrock Preschool, uh, led by Joan Lennon. And she asked if I was interested in a teaching position there. And then she was the one that encouraged me to go to IUSB and uh, pursue early childhood. How long were you and your husband married? We were married for 38 years. So what would be some advice, I guess, you could give as you think about staying true to your vows for that amount of time? What were some strategies for how you did that? Well, we definitely had our struggles. Um, My husband lost his job, uh, and our children were fairly young at that time, but we we just kept with it. with the marriage vows, you you say for better or for worse, and sometimes you have to work together on that worst part. Um, so we did the best we could. Mm-hmm. As I've come to know you, Marion, you're a person of good humor and optimism. <laughs> what what role did laughter and, and humor play in your marriage and your family? Oh, I think we always have to have a good laugh about anything. I'm, uh, in fact, my kids like me to come and help move furniture because. I always have something funny to say, and we're always, I, I haven't said to my son, uh, don't you have a younger friend that can help you move this? But uh, they just want me over there because we just, we end up turning everything into, even a chore, into something fun. Maybe talk about your role at the Alumni Association. What would, how do you describe your job when people ask you what you do? Uh, well, I'm very, again, blessed to work with the um, faith um, and service team, as well as the travel. Uh, I don't really like to travel, but I enjoy talking to the <laughs> travelers and putting in the reservations and that type of thing. Um, the Faith at ND was actually started uh, many years ago, and then I suggested that it would be wonderful if people who actually who submit these prayer intentions would get a personal response for um, to be able to have hope. That's the main thing that we like to portray to the people. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then your role grew into actually being the voice of that those responses. Yes. Yeah. What has that been like for you these many years that you've been? Oh doing gosh, that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, very humbling. Um, again, like I said, I really want people to have hope because there's always hope in everything um no matter what the circumstance um we just have to trust in god that he wants the very best for us uh it's not always easy to see what that is uh but i just want people to feel that there's always something ahead and something to look forward to for them Mm -hmm. i guess sometimes the the challenge of digital communications is it can feel impersonal, but have there been surprises or, or revelations along the way as people have responded that you can tell that you're really part of something that's making a real impact for people? Uh, yes, many times people will respond back with their stories of how things uh, transpired and 
uh, they're just so so grateful because in this in this world of technology now I just feel like um, doing something personal for someone just means so much and obviously we, we talk about sometimes the disconnect or the impersonal nature of a digital medium but it, it is tied to a place Notre Dame and especially the grotto uh, the grotto is such a sacred place for us and the candle at the grotto burns there uh, for the intentions of of all all the prayers submitted through through the website. So maybe talk about the grotto as a place of prayer, um, someone who visits it often to not only refill the candle, but to pray for people there. Uh, yes. Of course, God hears our prayers from wherever we are. Um, but the grotto holds just a special, special place for so many people. And again, I have others who help me um, take the prayer intentions to the grotto, um, which I am very, very appreciative of. And um, I say sometimes God probably gets tired of hearing my voice. He's ready for He's ready for someone else. <laughs> How many prayers would you say a month would we receive, and would you? Well, we usually um, average between eight hundred and a thousand a month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everyone leaves their email address, so not everyone then wants to get a personal response. But sure. those that do leave their email, um, they do get a response back. Which, when I talk to people about that, they always find that very surprising that we actually respond individually to the prayers. Talk about the importance of that in, in, as you see it and, and how that's been impactful for people. Uh, well, I one time sent in a prayer intention to um, just something I saw online, and I could tell when I received it back that it was just a canned response. Um, so, again, I think people, and they will email a lot of times and say, oh, wow, I can't believe that I received something back. Um, this is why I love this university. Mm. And um, they base a lot of of they just can't believe it. So that's very important to me that this would always be the case, that people would feel that way. Yeah, that the Notre Dame cares about people Absolutely. in this particular way. And it's it's not only the personal responses, but you mentioned there's a number of volunteers, many of whom are anonymous, go and, and actually pray every single one of these intentions at the grotto, correct? Yes, yes. They uh, Many of them just stepped forward and asked if if there was a need, that if we needed help, and I said, absolutely. I would never turn anybody away for prayer. Um, there's plenty to go around. So um, there, these people have, there's a particular gentleman who has been doing it for many years, and he's very faithful. And as you've talked to them and their experience of praying on behalf of others in a, in a sacred place by the grotto, what have been some of their insights of, of being involved in this ministry? Well, I think we all just feel very humble and very privileged to be able to take the prayers to the grotto um, because, again, it means so much to so many people. And uh, one of the things that we make sure is um, we're always con- we keep everything confidential. Um, it's not something that people want talked about, but um, prayers are definitely what they're looking for and what we want to do for them. And would you say that you receive a lot of joy uh, from doing this, even though sometimes the prayers themselves can be very heavy? In, in the sense yes, of what I are mean for? sometimes I even wake up in the night and remember these particular prayers and pray for these people because. But it does it does bring you a certain amount of joy, and um, you just feel good that you're able to to offer hope and something for someone else. Yeah. 
you know, it reminds me of our practice of asking the saints to intercede for us, that it's, yes, we, we can pray directly to God, but there's something about asking others to pray on our behalf or to join us in particular intentions and prayers, that there's something meaningful about that. So are there any saints um, that you find meaningful in your work? Well, um, St. Francis of Assisi, um, many times people will send in prayers for their pets. And um, I will always refer to something that uh, something that St. Francis has um, has said, um, just to to let people know we care about them, too. That's great. It's remarkable to me in some ways as you're you're kind of sharing bits of your of your story of uh you know losing your mom at a relatively young age and even some of the the suffering that you went through with your husband and with his passing away that it's not something that you allowed to become a a, a source of bitterness in your life but really it was it is it was a desire to help other people in their suffering and in this theme of hope keeps coming back. So, I don't know, has that has some of the suffering you've endured and 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 the outreach or the care you've received from others has that helped you carry forward that theme of hope in your work and in in the rest of your life? Uh yes, definitely, and my faith, of course, um is something that, you know, I just always have and I know that everyone has trials and um, things that they have to go through, and with God and people that you love, you get through it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to go back to motherhood as well, because I think that's an important piece. Obviously, you're, you never stop being a mom, and you never stop loving and sometimes worrying for your kids, but you're out of that some of those tough stages of young kids and, and going through all that. Are there any uh, bits of advice or words of encouragement that you would give to some moms who are kind of in the thick of having young kids and living some some challenging times? Well, when my children were little, sometimes you feel like, oh, they're going to be little forever, but you need to enjoy every single moment um, that you have with them because I know you don't believe it now when they're young, but they grow up really fast, Mm -hmm. and you miss a lot if you don't take the time to spend time with them. Forget about the house. No one cares. It's important <laughs> to be with the children. Yeah. What were some of your favorite memories of when your kids were growing up, of things you got to do with them? Oh, gosh. We didn't have a lot of money when my kids were growing up, so we did just a lot of outdoor things, going to the parks and taking them to the public pools and that type of thing. Um, we didn't really do too many vacations, but um, but we all seem to have fun and a lot of outside when weather permitted, a lot of outside fun. Mm-hmm. And what about this legacy? You talked about your mom as an example of your faith. How did you and your husband pass on the faith to your kids as they were growing up? Well, um, we tried to always come together as a family uh, as far as meals go and say prayers and go to church together on Sunday. And I think I conveyed that to my three children. Um, they're all pretty spiritual and, and religious, especially my oldest, who has the eight children. <laughs> Which you'd have to be with eight <laughs> children, right? <laughs> Lots of prayers. That's right. <laughs> and what about, uh, maybe speak a little bit more about some of the joys of being a grandmother and seeing your hopes and dreams play out in even your grandkids and seeing them get to experience some of the the good that life has to offer? 
Well, I have 10, as I mentioned. Uh, my oldest is 20, and my youngest is um, going to be 3. Uh, so I have a variety of ages. Um, again, they're all a very religious Christian children, which I am so proud of. Um, they they do the best they can. They work hard, and um, they're just fun to be around. Like I said, I my children grew up so fast, and now I get to experience all the fun stuff again, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah, that's great. Part of the purpose of this podcast is talking about ways of of seeking holiness or striving after holiness. So what would you say have been some of the ways that no one does it perfectly, obviously, but uh, the ways that you've tried to seek holiness in your own life? Uh, Well, I do try every morning to um, have uh, time for prayer. Um, and if it gets busy and it slips my mind, I feel really bad. Um, so it's, it's something that just kind of really starts out your day. Um, I know with the faith ND, um, people read that and that starts to let many people's day off going in the right direction. And again, I've always, um, loved to go to church and just different times during the day. I tend to pray even if it's not uh, a formal time to pray, I just pray all out through the day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also wanted to revisit a little bit more about your, your work with, with Faith ND. I guess part of the irony or paradox maybe of this is you can never go into some of those prayers, like I said, without feeling the weight of, of what's happening, that sometimes these are the lowest, sometimes the highest, but oftentimes the most challenging parts of people's lives that they're asking you and others to pray for how do you keep how do you keep your sense of hope and keep renewed when you know day after day you're you're reading about very challenging circumstances well it can be difficult like i said sometimes i do wake up in the night and and think about these people and uh then just say an extra prayer for them uh it it can be very challenging that way but i feel like they just need our hope and our reassurance that things are going to work out for the best. Uh, and that just kind of keeps me going. Like I just want to keep responding and letting them know that um, it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a lot of Holy Cross's spirituality of hail the cross, our only hope that even this instrument of, of suffering and torture of Christ's cross, that, as, as we are followers of Jesus, that sometimes carrying the crosses of our own eventually, whether in this life or the next, leads to lasting hope, a sense of resurrection. Would that resonate with you, this Holy Cross spirituality, and do you think that's helped your outreach as you've been a part of this ministry? Um, yes, I feel like so many people have additional crosses to bear through their lives, and we don't really know why some are expected to do so much more, uh, but it, um, I just feel like they're just um, going to realize they're doing it for the best. That mm-hmm. also reminds me of in the stations of the cross, you know, even as Jesus is experiencing his own agony and suffering. He meets people along the way. Simon of Cyrene to help him carry the cross. Veronica wipes his face. Of course, his mother before that, and then the weeping women. What What would you say you think the importance of having other people in your life to help share in your suffering 
is, especially as you're going through it? Well, you really need people to support you and, and like you said, help you through the suffering. Um, people just can't do it alone. They need not only the spiritual side, but they need the people around them to help them through it. Mm-hmm. One other thing that I wanted to ask you about was, like I said, this, this seeking after holiness is an important part of this. And you obviously are playing your part in a particular way as a mother, a grandmother, as a, a Christian woman, but especially through this Faith ND outreach, are there any words of advice or encouragement that you would give people who maybe if they feel like they're not living as holy life as they could or they're not doing everything they, they can in this way or maybe don't have the same opportunity to literally be answering prayers or, or offering prayers on people's behalf. How might you encourage other people who are, who are just in, in that daily struggle to, to live a holy life? Well, I think there's always room for improvement for everyone. They, they just need to pray about it. A lot of times um, if, if I feel confused or upset about something, just pray about it and peace will come. And many times you get the answers um, that you're seeking. Marion, I'm wondering, have there been, as you think back on your life, moments where you have really sensed God's grace in a really profound way? Uh, Well, when my daughter was pregnant um, with her daughter, my um, granddaughter, she was told by the doctor that little Lily was only going to weigh a little under three pounds and that she was going to be full term. So we were all concerned and worried. Of course, then I prayed about it. And I just had this voice come into my mind, um, not really a, a voice, but a thought. And I was told that she will be perfect by the grace of God. Um, and so I shared that with my daughter. And I knew that this was God speaking to me to let me know that everything was going to be fine. Uh, she was born um, at five pounds and 13 ounces. Everything was fine. And on the day she was born, I received this spiritual pamphlet, which I've been getting uh, week by week. And on her birthday, heading was fortified with grace. So I felt that that was God speaking to me that his grace had kept her healthy and fine. And he knew all along she was going to be all right. And he shared that with me ahead of time. It strikes me that there are people of prayer who have an ongoing relationship with God that they notice when these moments of grace come. And sometimes we can get so busy in our lives and and so bogged down by challenges and things that we may not even notice when these moments of, of God come in. So do you think that that played a part in, you know, this fact that you were already a, a woman of prayer that helped you recognize God's grace in that moment? Oh, yes, very much so. I think there's so many miracles that happen every day, small little miracles, that people don't even realize. And if they would just take the time to look around and notice, uh, they would be really surprised at how many things happen every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's very wonderful. Maybe share about another moment of grace. Uh, so my husband um, passed away, and we didn't have any funeral plans set or anything. So my children and I uh, went to St. Joseph Church. Uh, that's where we belonged. 
and um, it was Father John Riley at that time, and uh, we spoke with him, and we had everything planned and everything worked out. And while I was in the funeral home um, during the rosary, again, it was something that popped into my head, and I felt it was my husband, and he, in my mind, he said, Toons, that was the nickname we had for each other, you did good. So I just felt so relieved that he felt like everything that we had planned and everything we did was what he wanted. And um, another time that I felt like God spoke to me and said, you did if you did fine. Mm -hmm. And what a gift of, I guess, solace and peace in what sounds like it was certainly a very difficult time. But again, that attentiveness to prayer, your ability to weather that storm seemed to be really fortified by by this life of prayer that you cultivated over the years. Yes, absolutely. I can't imagine not having my faith. Mm -hmm. You talked about ways that you've helped other people in your personal life as they've gone through loss or suffering. And in a way, you're doing that digitally with your work for with your work for Faith ND. So do you see any connection there between the two in, in the sense of how you're helping people through their challenging moments or helping them celebrate joy, both in your professional work and in your personal life? Well, sometimes I feel like the, the prayers and the people that I respond to sometimes actually help me bring about a ways to help others in different situations that might come up. Uh, I might use something that someone else has mentioned in a way to bring others hope and peace uh, in their life and what they're going through. Mm-hmm. What do you think the draw of Faith in D is and people submitting prayers online? It seems like a bit of a unique way to to ask for prayers, but it's it's very popular as well. What do you think the draw is for people that they keep coming back month after month? Well, I think they feel a comfort in knowing that others that they don't even know are praying for them. Uh, that That does come up a lot. People are kind of blown away by that, that someone would pray for them when they don't even know them personally. And again, they they hold a lot of um, hope in their university, and they can't believe that this is something that that we would offer for them. And a lot of times I'll get the comment, uh, well, this is why I love Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. We're all part of the body of Christ, and no part suffers without another part noticing. I think sometimes when people are suffering, one of the hardest things is that they're suffering alone or they feel like they're suffering alone. But it's through an outreach like this where they realize that they're not alone, that other people who are part of the body of Christ who are praying for them and do care about them, and you know, you're an important part of that, and the volunteers who go to the grotto are an important part of that. It seems to be really consoling to people. Yes, absolutely. They, they appreciate it, and uh, they... They just, like, again, they're, they can't believe that someone they don't know would pray for them. As you've been talking through this, Marion, it's clear to me that the chance for you to be involved in this ministry of offering prayers for others has helped grow and deepen your own faith life and life of prayer. So could you say a little bit about that, 
how this ministry has been a blessing to you personally. Um, yes, it's, it's again, very humbling and it's, it just is something that I feel that God led me to do. Um, this was not something that I went seeking, but when this opportunity came up and the, to respond to the prayers, um, many times I feel that it's his words that I'm putting on the screen and not mine. And he is leading me to help others to have hope and faith in him. Well, and it's something that I imagine could be very daunting, especially when you first started out about, well, what am I going to say to people when they say I'm you know, diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer or I just lost my little child or I mean just the, the depths of, of suffering that we sometimes encounter through these prayer requests. Were you nervous about that at all when you first started and how did you grow in your confidence that, that, you, could, that you could do this? Yes, I mean, it took me a while to respond, and I do try to make each one a personal response. I do go to Scripture a lot. Um, I have a special little books that I use many times, um, quoting b- Bible verses to help people to, to know that they're not alone in this. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for your time. It's very clear to me. I know it personally because of our work together, but that you've been doing this for so many years that you are a gift to the Alumni Association, to Faith ND, and to this whole community out there who really have come to rely on this ministry as a, as a depository for their prayers and, and a place where they can go when they may not feel like they have anywhere else to go. So we just, of course, want to always say thank you for all that you do for the Alumni Association. Oh, well, thank you very much. And Again, it's just uh, something that God has led me to do, and I am really the one that's very blessed to be able to um, respond to those intentions. Well, thank you, Marion. That concludes this episode of Everyday Holiness, a Faith ND podcast. We want to thank you for being with us, and for anyone listening who would like to submit a prayer to our team, please visit faith.nd.edu, where there is a place for you to do so. And we, along with our faithful volunteers, will be happy to take your intention to the grotto. Thanks again for being part of our audience today, and we welcome you back for more next time as we continue to seek everyday holiness in our lives and stories. Mm-hmm.